1: you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio. This is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura.
2: All right, welcome into Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio, Nathan Zagura alongside the Cleveland Browns sideline reporter and the host of the next level on ESPN Cleveland, the great Gerard Cherry. Oh, yeah, and he's also a three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion. Gerard filling in for Bo today. He's at the 850 Studios down in the flats. What's up, Gerard? What up, Nate Dog, How you been, man? It's been a while. It has been a while. I'm doing well. I am doing well. I'm happy to be, obviously, back here today getting into the mix, an eventful weekend, and uh, obviously shout. start off with a little shout-out to my wife, the lovely Miss Kay, on her birthday today. We've had a, a fun weekend. Took in John Mayer on Saturday night. A solo which, tour. Solo tour. He's Your
3: body's like a
4: wonderland. Isn't he yes, always he, solo, though? That makes no sense to me.
2: No, so he didn't have – he literally – it was him, period. No background band. No bass, no drums, nothing. Nothing. Just him and like 30 different guitars. (laughs) He had a different guitar for basically every song. He started with Gravity, which is the first time he's ever opened a concert with Gravity. Uh It was a great show. Great show. And then Friday night I got to do a little uh, commentating for AIW, Absolute Intense Wrestling, and they crowned a new champion with Uh an unbelievable heel turn, Matt Cardona. My buddy is the AIW champ once again, Bill Alfonso, the former ECW original, turning on Matthew Justice in a heart-wrenching move. And so that was fun. And then, yeah, yesterday we went over to Kayla's family's house for uh, her birthday, and we had a a, a nice weekend. What did you do this weekend, Gerard?
4: I did one thing that no one wants to do, which is pack and move. One of the most frustrating and tiring things things that you could possibly do and subject yourself to, I was involved in. But I must say this, working 12 to 15 hours straight to pack up a home and then move stuff around, it's a great workout. So they might have a new workout called the, the move workout because I'm telling you, dog, I think I lost about 10 pounds in the process.
2: Yeah, there's nothing fun or easy about about moving, that's for sure. That's that's why some people will be like, you know what, I'm just going to stay here. I don't want to move.
4: Yeah, exactly. But at some point, too, when you realize you've outgrown the confines you need to take that step, and it only lasts a week or two. And once you're – I'd say about a month and a half to two where you're settled into your new place, then it's worth yep. it. But that first um, – Of course. That first initial couple of days of moving and then the move afterwards and the weeks that lie in within that, yeah, as frustrating as can be. But after a while, you're like, you know what? Good gesture on our part. I also feel like –
2: when you move, you realize how much stuff you have oh in gosh. your current house that you don't ever use, look don't at, or eat. whatever that's just taking up space.
4: Nathan, I got T-shirts from 15 years ago that I know I won't wear. I'm like, yeah. why am I still holding I've this? Now, some them. have sentimental value. Like, for example, the first time I had my name put on a T-shirt, I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah, for sure. And the first time I took my uh, kung fu class and my – forgot the proper name of the guy who holds my dojo – and with his name, my instructor, I'll just say that. And he he, award- My sensei, thank you. And he awarded me yeah. my shirt. I'm going to keep that. Now, I just yeah. can't give that away because, actually like, you know, if someone's walking around town with a shirt from my sensei's dojo, they might get in trouble. Like, you never attended my school. Where would you get this shirt from? So with that in mind, I have to hold on to that because yeah, I won't burn a- it.
2: Keep people safe. I like that. I think that's a, I think that's a smart thing that you're doing there. Keep, them, keep the people safe. Keep everybody happy. I like it. I like it. Gibby, how was your weekend, brother?
3: Uh, A lot like Gerard's. You know, getting some stuff done around the house, man. You know, uh, trying to figure out my backyard and improve that since it still looks like a minefield. Um, From the wind? And, and getting that all Because this wind and this away. weather is insane. I, I, I grilled out in a uh, minor hurricane on Saturday. <laughs> how'd you, how'd you that get was the fun.
4: The propane tank going or the...
3: I kept waiting for it to backfire on me, but I was like, I'm committed. It's 65 degrees. I'm grilling. Wow. So way to so go. Yeah, that's a did a little thing. grilling on Saturday night. Had the fam over. It was nice. A nice little time. And, you know, just getting a few things done here uh, while I can. Good. Good. Yeah, We're fine. all just waiting for the I mean, weather. I, I, last weekend I was thriving, and, and it wasn't like I, – I thrived this weekend, but it was a, honey, what do you want to get done around the house? Oh well, Yeah, you're a yeah, you're, – on vacation last weekend that's that's a completely different experience well
2: since i was out on friday we had some news coming on friday and over the weekend the first being that the browns added another speedy receiver to their arsenal to go along with elijah Moore, name that we had talked about here on cleveland browns daily marquise goodwin a one-year deal he is a blazer he can fly 427 coming out of texas all the way back in 2012 goodwin is represented by the same agent as our quarterback Deshaun Watson last year, 27 catches, 387 yards, four touchdowns in 13 games for the Seahawks and played well for them. I mean, he's a, he's another vertical threat. His best year ever was with the 49ers where he had almost a thousand yards there, but you know, you think about Andrew Barry Gerard and, and what he was trying to do and we're going to hear from Andrew Barry later on in this show, he was talking at the owners meetings. We're going to hear that actually coming up next. Um, as well as at two o'clock, it's a two-parter. There's so much good stuff. Talked about every move that we've made, but obviously you wanted to add weapons. Obviously you wanted to add vertical speed and game-changing guys, and you got one in Elijah Moore on a rookie deal who you know could end up being a star for the Browns for quite some time. The guy that they loved coming out of Ole Miss, and then now you get Goodwin, who is truly an outside blazer that a safety is going to have to respect when he's on the field.
4: Yeah, and that's a key point to it all, Nathan a safety, and a cornerback, too, are going to have to respect because ultimately, if you're a guy that runs polished routes, yeah, you're going to catch the football, and pretty much the league has set it up so that you can catch the intermediate routes. But if you really want to put some fear into a defensive back, and even more importantly, a defensive coordinator, and make him question why he's calling things, you want that explosive capability on the football field. You desire that speed. You want that speed. Hell, you need that speed. And when you think about our offense last year, it was a very good offense, but what was the key element missing? Speed.
2: speed. In You're this right. Case, well, super speed. It, it will be missing no more. Moore ran a Elijah Moore four three five coming out of Ole Miss, and we talked about good one in the four twos, and then now you complement that with a bigger bodied Donovan Peoples Jones, who's shown that he can make plays down the field. The route running expertise of Amari Cooper, who and Elijah Moore knows, idolized, went to, from the same area in Florida, and then you got David A. You've got the home run of hitting ability of Nick Chubb in the backfield. This is an offense now led by Deshaun Watson that should be able to score with anybody. I mean, there are no excuses. Andrew Barry has gotten the pieces Mm -hmm. that that were needed and the elements that were lacking, as you pointed out, so that this should be an offense uh, of great consequence, great explosion, and, and great
4: scoring, right? Right, and the thing I love most about it, Nathan, is that the strongest unit on that offense you didn't even mention And that's the offensive line because at the end of the day, it's still going to be won and lost in the trenches. Now, if you add the fact that these guys can block, be it a run or pass, at the highest of levels, just think about what that does for Deshaun Watson because we assume that he's going to return to form. And with him returning to form with the great offensive line and weapons at his disposal to utilize and employ, the sky's the limit for this offense. So I'm ex- so excited because if you think about what they achieved last year with Jacoby at the, at the helm for the 11 games and where they were trending towards, just imagine a full-off season and a year in which we have defined that Deshaun Watts is going to be the guy what can take place for this offense. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a lot
2: of fun with this offense. You mentioned that offensive line. There was another report coming out over the weekend that on Thursday this week, pending the passing of his physical, the Browns will sign 50-year guard Wes Martin, a native of West Milton, Ohio, outside of Dayton. He was with the Washington Commanders last year. He's a former fourth-round pick of the Commanders in 2019. He's appeared in over 30 games with 11 career starts at guard, so he is a guy that has experience and can provide depth for the Browns along that offensive line behind and Batonio and Teller likely with drew Forbes for a roster spot here as one of the backup guards. So another move along that line. And, you know, you really look at this Gerard, it, it like you're 53. There aren't many questions as to who's going to make the 53 or right. not. There are a few, there are going to be some battles, but I mean, this is a roster that prior to this draft, and I just don't even, it's hard to even understand where our draft picks would fit in honestly to this team right now. And I know that, you know, that'll become more clear after the draft, but you know, you could still get a guy on the edge. You could still get a guy on the interior of a defensive line. You could still get a running back, I think, that could, in this running back rich draft, that could play a big role for you. But this is a pretty complete roster that Andrew Barry's put together with a very breezy, busy, but very judiciously executed free agency program.
4: And that's what you want, because you really want to have guys hone on an idea that, hey, this is a make or break year. And every year is a make or break year. But when you have guys already on the roster, Via free agency, you're not waiting for, okay, this draft class to go to this particular meeting or to be able to be available for off-season training. And you can just have guys already there with an idea of like, hey, this is who we're rolling with. Now, some guys may or may not be here. We understand that. That's the nature of the business. But what they have right now as composed, you could take that on the football field and say you can win with what we have. So let's go about doing the other things that are necessary, like working hard throughout training camp. Working hard in the offseason to make sure that we are getting that camaraderie down. We are having that understanding of what we're trying to accomplish as a team. And you start building those bonds, and that's where it starts taking that next step. And when you do run to the first game of the season, it's like, bam, we're ready to go. And when you get to the mid part of the season, you've already built upon what you did in the offseason. And then once you hit the playoffs, then you're like, you know what? We train for this. We prepare for this. We understand this. We get this. And we're here for a reason. You fall back on all those things. So that's what can occur when you have a solid team of knowing who's going to be there and who's coming back.
2: That's right, and look, there's a team that's obviously you want to to do better than you did last year. It's a team that has should be going to the playoffs now. It is a murderer's row in the AFC. It's only getting harder with the you know the news that most likely Aaron Rodgers will ultimately, sometime mm-hmm. soon, end up with the New York Jets, making turning them into a playoff favorite as well. But. Yeah, this is a team that is – it's got a very nice roster. It's shaping up very well, and there's a chance, I think, to really kind of do some damage. Overall, Gerard, what has been your thoughts on just this entire offseason that you've seen Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski put together?
4: I love it because everything that needed to be addressed has been addressed, and I'll start with from the coaching standpoint. This is no shot at the coaches by any stretch of the imagination, but you felt a change was needed with different personalities and mindsets To bring into the building to get guys on the same page. Because it's no secret. Let's just be frank about it. The defense did not play up to the level it was capable of playing from a talent standpoint. And the special teams seemed like it had an attitude of special teams was just something that we had to do in the process of playing in the game, as opposed to saying, you know what, special teams is of utmost importance. And I'm sure the coordinators that were here preached that message but obviously it was not conveyed well enough to the guys that are on the football field that hey we need to play at a higher level we were way too consistent in both those phases last year so what do we do we bring in guys who are known for being one intense about how they go about coaching and what they bring on the football field from a defensive special team standpoint so you love that move and then when you look at what are the holes in this roster It is fair to say, on paper at least, every last one of those holes have been addressed from a speed factor, from a linebacker factor, from a standpoint of what's in the middle of that interior on a girth and what that needs to be represented on the football field on a Sunday. Yeah, you
2: got the big man in the middle, Dalvin Tomlinson. You're right about that. The things that you wanted, size on defense, some speed, somebody to help rush the passer, a free safety, and Juan Thornhill, who's got championship pedigree. You got all of those things. And I thought it was a good job by Andrew Barry to bring it in, and I got a chance to talk with a lot of them, as well as mm-hmm. the new coaches. And I kind of love the way that Jim Schwartz approaches it. And I'll tell you what, people are going to love Bubba Ventrone. Absolutely love Bubba Ventrone. We did a coaches event with uh, a meet-the-coach event. Was that Wednesday last week, Gibbae? With uh, Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Schwartz, and Ventrone. And it was awesome. Bob Ventrone is going to be – I mean, the people loved him when he played here. They're going to love him when he coaches here as well. So I think we're in good hands. And the hard part is now is you feel so much is set. We don't have a first or a second-round pick, but mm-hmm. you're going to get hopefully another, a guy that can contribute in the third round like you did with MJ Emerson last year. That's and, you know, you shit. go from there and you try to get after it. That's, right. what, this, that's,
4: that's what it's going to be about. Exactly. And here's the thing. You're in trouble and I know we get caught up in the draft, and that's the way in which you restock your shelves and get prepared for a season. But you never want to be in a position, Nate, where you are relying on draft picks to save your day and to make or break your season. You want to be in a spot where we're in, where you have veteran, proven players who know what it takes to be in a National Football League to take that next step to get there. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say this about the guys we brought in. It seems to me, no, it's not been any fanfare. You're not going to hear us on ESPN winning the offseason, and I'm happy with that. Because in the past, we've been a Super Bowl champion in the offseason, and that led to absolutely nothing once the regular season kicked in. So I love the fact that we brought a bunch of guys who are somewhat under the radar, if you will, not heralded, but are quality, solid players. And ultimately, to play football at the highest level, you don't need a bunch of marquee names. That doesn't win you football games. What wins you games is guys who are on the same page, who buy into the idea of team over self, and are going to go out there and pay the price on a daily basis. When you're dealing with drama and when you're dealing with marquee names that's when you have issues of well you know what I don't feel like practicing today well and if I don't feel like practicing today what are you really going to do about it but when you have guys who say you know what we're going to practice they're going to hold you most importantly accountable and require that of everyone coaches be alike then that's when you start winning football games at the highest of levels and that's what we want to do. We want to win. And I think that there was
2: also a, an effort to make sure they brought in guys that they felt like fit the culture that we're trying to establish and fit a locker room of accountability and of positivity that the Browns are trying to establish. And so we'll see if that leads to wins. That's the that's the name of the game, right? You, you got to win. Better that's win. what it's all about. <laughs> you you know, got to better they must. Yeah, you must win now. The pieces are in place. The quarterback is here. You must win. You've got your top players on their second contracts in the primes of their career. Like the the window is now for the Cleveland Browns. The window is, you know, the next couple of years, you've got to be a team of real consequence in the National Football League. All right. When we come back, we're going to hear from Browns general manager Andrew Barry. He's going to go through a lot of the moves here. We're going to hear from him at 115 and then also uh, later on the show at 2 o'clock from the owners' meetings at the Biltmore in Scottsdale. But as you see this beautiful display to my left right here, Brownstown, Napa Valley. It's the official wine brand and wine club of the Cleveland Browns. The program offers fans a unique way to support their team and community through purchases with proceeds supporting the Cleveland Browns Foundation. Club membership options are available to fit various budgets and lifestyles with two shipments of three or six bottles per season delivered in a beautiful, look at this thing, stunning, beautiful keepsake vintage Browns fire-branded wooden wine crate. Members get it.
3: Hey, Z, I think your mic went out. Did you hit the button? Am I back? Yeah, you're back.
2: Where did I cut out? Crate. You were, you, yeah, you cut. You oh, cut out the beautiful a crate, crate. crate. After the beautiful <laughs> crate. <laughs> Look at this crate. Members, you will also get exclusive access to limited releases and library wines, as well as discounted access to their online store. The spring release is happening on April 2nd. April 2nd. So that's coming up. That's this week, right? Isn't that Sunday? It is Sunday, my friend. WrestleMania Sunday, April 2nd. Visit Brownstown dot nap brownstown for more information to sign up for the brownstown napa valley wine club do you think it's brownstown nap or napa
3: according to the copy points it said nap
2: okay so try either brownstown or napa if that doesn't work but you'll get there check it out i mean this box is gorgeous the wine is going to be delicious you know who loves wine me my wife happy birthday we're gonna drink some great wine tonight as well celebrating the lovely miss k who ages like a fine wine shout out to her there you go pull a full circle all right when we come back browns general manager andrew barry from his meeting with the media at the owners meetings in arizona he's going to be discussing free agency and the new wide receiver additions that's coming up next year on cleveland browns daily brought to you by bally bet coming soon to ohio
1: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to
2: you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry with you today. Filling in for Bo Bishop. But now we go out to the Valley of the Sun. One of my favorite places in the world. Scottsdale, Arizona. And here from Browns general manager Andrew Barry at the owners' meetings at the Biltmore, here is AB.
1: You've added a bunch
5: of guys. Did, did you anticipate two weeks ago that you would be this business? You know, honestly, um, like I remember when we talked at the combine, I talked about like mapping resources to opportunities. You never really can predict what it's going to look like, you know, going into the start of the league year. So we always try and just remain flexible. Um, we're obviously excited about all the guys that we did add, but um, I don't know that I had any expectations in terms of volume, so to speak. Um, but we do have to get to ninety, and you know it takes a lot, adding a lot of guys to get to that point. But um, you know every year is kind of unpredictable from that perspective.
6: AB, you closed with a flourish there with the receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you anticipate saving that for last? How did that happen?
5: <laughs> you can never predict the, predict the sequencing, Tony um you go into every year with um you know perhaps a number of roster goals but you really do have to be flexible in terms of the avenue for accomplishing those accompli- accomplishing those goals and priorities so you know whether that ends up being you know a trade a free agent signing a draft pick or you know some other means you just you just really never know
7: anything surprise you about the way the market kind of unfolded whether it was for for a position or or in general
5: yeah i'd say in general it's pr- i two things, I think to the free agent market, um, I think you're seeing a little bit of the middle class in the NFL get, for lack of a better term, weeded out a little bit. I think it's maybe a little bit of a lag from essentially the $30 million in cap dollars that we lost with COVID. I think you're starting to see that catch up a little bit with the league, where you know, guys in the past that may have been 10, 11, $12 million players are um, perhaps signing to last year. So are top top-of-the-market guys and, yeah. and guys that are you know, signing their one-year deals at lower amounts, but I do think that you're seeing a little bit of a change with the, uh, the middle of the free agent market. And then really the trade market, I felt like this year, um, even though we made the trade, like was actually a little bit less active than it's been in the past. Um, certainly, you know, relative to last year, um, but I, I thought there were there were fewer opportunities going into the league year than there there may have been in, in, in years
6: past. Why did you feel you needed to sign Marquise Goodwin after making that trade, and do you see them as kind of like the same role type uh, receivers?
5: So two things, uh, you know, one, we always take the approach of trying to build the strongest ninety that you can because when you get into camp, um, whether it's injuries or. You know, guys surprising you in either direction. Just, you just never know how it's going to play out. And also, as you get into the season, um, that's usually the player pool that you're drawing from for in-season replacements. particular to Elijah and Marquis, uh, you know, they really do. Uh, they really do have maybe different strengths. Although, maybe people look at it on face value, saying, "Hey, here are these undersized guys that you know ran really well coming out." Um, their games are a little bit different. Elijah is a little bit more of your. Um, inside, outside separator, really good hands, um, really good route runner. You know, Marquise, despite his age, he's still one of the fastest you know players on the perimeter in, in, in football. Um, so, not to typecast either of them, but we really do see them as having perhaps maybe a little bit of different function in the offense.
6: You know, when we get to the fall. And one, one last thing on that subject, mm-hmm. the, the, the size seems to be different. Than... You've done in the past is that because your quarterback's bigger?
5: You know, honestly, it's not. It's, it's honestly not. It just happened to work out that way based on the um, the players who became available to us. There are um, smaller receivers that we liked when you know when 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 Baker was a quarterback, but for whatever reason it um, it didn't match up with timing or opportunity or resources. Um, and then you know even as we went into the free agent market or didn't go into the draft, there are you know bigger receivers that we like you know, with Deshaun. So. Um, they come in different shapes and sizes we're really more looking for a skill set and fit within the role last november you told us you almost made a trade in the deadline. is mm-hmm. that guy on the team now he is <laughs> <laughs> i'll give you guys that one <laughs> you, you started, you started <laughs> What was the holdup then? Uh, I, I won't go into the, the details of, of that part, but um, you know they were they were pretty adamant that they were they were. And are you difficult. convinced that
6: he's mature enough to develop? Abso- abso- he's absolutely, absolutely.
5: We, we, we feel we feel very good about Elijah. Um, loves the ball, hard worker. Um, he is a good teammate. Like um, this is a guy that, despite um, you know some of the ups and downs in New York, and you know, obviously we we have. We have a really good relationship with that organization. My time working with Joe and Kevin and Roberts, you know, friendship. But um, we feel good about who Elijah is. You know, bring him into our building and think he's going to do well there. How
6: important was that
5: speed? Yeah, you know, we 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 look. Despite um, you know maybe how it's looked at times, like I I love speed. We love speed. And and probably, I should say this: there's probably no general manager, or head coach that says like they want to be slow on the perimeter necessarily. Um, but we, when you have an opportunity to add a good player who can really stress the defense with his ability to run, um, that's an opportunity that we're always going to look to, to, to uh, take advantage of.
6: Okay, so, so um, is there, was there an urgency on your part to, to surround Watson with more experienced receivers? And, and the second question to that is, um, what does it mean for Bell uh, and the others? Woods and,
5: uh... I would say the focus wasn't necessarily on experience, Tony. Um, adding adding an element of um, you know deep big playability because of you know what we've seen Deshaun do in his past with that skill set in the receiver room. Um, you, you know you can do it through the tight end room, right? David can stretch the field vertically. Jordan, who we added, that he can stretch the field vertically. But having someone in the receiver room who can um, you do that maybe a little bit more traditionally than, than Donovan or or, or or the way that Donovan and Amari do it is um, you know is important. Um, so that was really the focus. And I forgot what was the second part of your question. What does it mean for
6: uh, Schwartz, Bell, Woods?
5: I think that we look at the receiver room as having good, healthy competition. Um, you know, all of those guys have different skill sets. Like Mike is probably more of like your size, you know, classical X. You know, separator probably. If I could, I guess, um, maybe pair them with a vet a little bit more like Amari in terms of skill set. Um, you know, Anthony is a little bit more like Marquise, right, with his you know his ability to to, to really stretch the field vertically. Um, and then David, he's like um, you know, I used this comparison before, skill set more in line with Jarvis when he was here, where he's a guy that has good size, strength, catches the ball really well. Uh, may not be the fastest, but he's, a, he's smooth. He's a good route runner. So like the way we'll go about looking at the receiver room as we get the roster to 53 is making sure that we have the appropriate skill set that allows Kevin and the offensive staff to call the game with enough flexibility in the passing game. You told us you, you don't ever know how the market's going to go. But consciously, were you like, we're going to go defense first, and then we'll revisit Elijah or
1: see whatever else? So, mm-hmm. No, you know,
5: not, not, not yeah. It just it just happened. It happened that way. And I think also part of it is you are exploring a lot of things. Like once the league year opens, or really once the negotiating window opens, you're exploring a lot of things concurrently. When it occurs, it, it can occur for a variety of factors, right? Like oftentimes trades take longer than free agent signings you know are you going you know are you going top of the market Um, what is the player's decision-making process like so there's there's a lot of factors that go into you know when when something um, you know comes to fruition I know on the outside it looks like okay well just you know linearly like okay this is what they did you know day one day two it it it, that's how it worked out this year but that's not necessarily how let's say it felt internally. I just, I think there was some angst in the fan base, like we're on day nine, we don't have a receiver, so was there any angst in the fan base? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I here, my Twitter mention. Yeah. <laughs> here, here's what I'd say. Like, even as we sit here today, we're two weeks into the start of the league year. There's no position group or part of the roster that's complete at this point. We are really, really early in terms of the transaction season. Now, I'll also acknowledge that I understand that within maybe the first week, that's probably the most player movement you know, across the league. But even as we sit here now, there's still like a lot of work to be done and a lot of things that could happen to shape the roster. Um, so, you know, we don't look at it as like, okay, like, you know, catch your breath right now, or it, it, it's, it's a long time till we're playing games in September.
8: Andrew, can you, um talk about you know give us an idea of you know why you guys really feel that Deshaun Watson is going to be the Deshaun Watson that you traded for um, and maybe sort of how different do you think the offense might be and what's the outlook there? Uh,
5: I think we're all very excited about Deshaun excited um, for a full off season with um, you know even the uh, the guys he's already built chemistry with um, some of the uh, additional players that we've added to the offense. Uh, I think just even familiarity with uh, you know Kevin and the offensive staff um, and just honestly even settling into a and settling into a new environment. Um, we have, you know, seen him obviously in practicing game settings, um, seen his talent, seen his ability, but um, it's, it's, it's an adjustment period and um, you know we feel really good about him getting a, a full spring, a full summer and um, you know, perhaps a more normal start to the to the regular season, um, you know, boding well for the team.
8: And it, do you feel like that, I mean, will fans and, and everyone see, uh, are you reinventing the wheel on offense per se or, you know, how different will things be? You know, I,
5: one, It's in fairness, it's probably a better question for Kevin. I think it would be disingenuous to suggest that there aren't things that we learned from the last six games of the season in terms of, okay, you think of something conceptually or, or theoretically and then you try and implement it and it's like there are some things that go real well and some things like oh, okay well here here are the summit some, some of the things that we may not have considered even just like teammates adjusting I think you know from a football standpoint last year to you know play 11 games with Jacoby who's you know a much different style of quarterback and then really kind of transition on the fly that's even tough for the other the other 10 players on offense um, so all of those learnings all of those moments the offensive staff has has, has really taken into the offseason. Um, I think there will be a lot of carryover, but you know certainly there will be modifications to the offense that, that we think are more suited for Deshaun and the overall group.
2: All right, that's Browns general manager Andrew Barry talking at the owners' meetings in Arizona, talking about the receivers. We'll react to that in a second. He also talked quite a bit about Deshaun Watson and what's in place for the Browns quarterback as the Browns look to make a real push here in 2023. There is some consternation in our division, though, around another quarterback, Lamar Jackson. If you have missed that, we will update you when we return. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your
2: Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers. Presented by Milkbone, is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. All right. First of all, Dride, any reaction before we get into the news of the day? Any reaction on what you heard from Andrew Barry talking about Elijah Moore, talking about Marquise Goodwin and some of the moves this offseason?
4: Yeah, I just like the fact that Andrew was really succinct and clear on why they did what they did. And I love the part where he says, hey, we're not going to sugarcoat things. Now, I'm paraphrasing because he didn't say these exact words. His vocabulary is just more immense than mine. And I'm having a hard time recalling what he actually said. In the fact that hey, we did learn from those last six games, so here's what we need to do to improve as a football team. I think he said disingenuous, and that's a good word. With that being said, you are being disingenuous if you don't acknowledge it. Hey, you remember what you do in the last part of the season. If the last part of the season you appear to be lackluster in certain areas, you would be. A fool, not remiss, a fool as a GM not to go out there and change it and do something about it when you had a position and power to do just that. So I love what he had to say, and it makes complete sense to me why they've done what they've done thus far in the offseason.
2: It is. It's about getting the weapons together. It's about getting this offense to be able to compete with the offenses of the Chiefs, to be able to compete with the offenses of the Bengals and the Bills and the Jaguars and the Chargers. And the teams are going to be putting up a lot of points in our conference. now. One And the Jets, mm-hmm. now one of those teams, though, that has been a perennial playoff team in our conference and in our division and a, and a pain in the Browns' side for a long, long time, the Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens were... John Harbaugh, the head coach, was this morning. He was at the owner's meeting this morning. When he began to speak to reporters at the league's annual meeting, Lamar Jackson sent out a couple of tweets. And in those tweets, Lamar Jackson had said basically that the Ravens have not, it was called a letter to my fans. He said, I first want to thank you all. For all of the love and support you've consistently shown towards me, all of you are amazing, and I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know not to believe everything you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions. He goes on. And again, remember, this is happening while John Harbaugh is speaking at the owner's meetings, which is incredible to me. He said, in regards to my future plans as of March 2nd, so nearly a month ago, three weeks ago, More than three weeks ago, three and a half. I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens had not been interested in meeting my value. Any and everyone that's met me or been around me knows that I love the game of football. My dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You are all are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of the Baltimore Flock Nation and the entire state of Maryland, so you'll see me again. And that's it. That's what he says.
3: Harbaugh, obviously is getting blindsided by this while he's at the, at, at a table, he's, he's sitting at a <laughs> breakfast table. So the, all the head, it's the head coach's breakfast. Uh-huh. So each head coach has a table. And normally it's just, it's the beats and, you know, maybe, maybe a national guy here, they're stepping in. I mean, they're NFL network had a camera like, like, it's not even like just a reporter with a recorder. It's full bull, It's a full blown presser. Yep. So here's what Harbaugh had to say. Um, this is from Jamison Hensley, uh, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Ravens. Uh, Ravens coach John Harbaugh and whether he thinks Lamar Jackson will be his quarterback in week one. I do. I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. You sure about that? Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said he hasn't spoken to Lamar as much as previous years because it's a unique situation. Asked when the last time he spoke spoke to Jackson. It's been a while. Asked if he knew about Lamar's trade request. John Harbaugh said, I'm not getting to all of that. It's private. In other words, you did know. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Ravens coach Harbaugh says he doesn't know if Lamar will play under the tag. Uh, And he was asked about the timing of Lamar's tweet uh, about a trade just right before he spoke. Harbaugh said, I'm not sure. I don't read too much into it. Hmm. Uh, And then harbaugh on lamar jackson tweeting the team hasn't met his value from uh, harbaugh it's a monetary thing harbaugh said that's a thing that can be figured out no pressure eric DeCosta, costa but uh, <laughs> figured out
4: love it yeah, yeah. It, it is crazy love it. this is this yeah, whole well, thing just ludicrous Well, it's, it's the fall of the ravens though you're underestimating what he perceives and how do you underestimate you're in the room with him he's telling you flat out what he wants why do you want to play hardball with a guy who is your offense? Your offense is dedicated to him playing at his highest of levels. Now, I get it. They don't want to go through the Joe Flacco experience again, guys, where they weren't able to fill the football team because they put so many resources into a quarterback. But they missed the memo. You do not give Raekwon Swift the highest linebacker contract on the, on the face of this earth. And then come back to Lamar Jackson with, hey, you're not worth a fully guaranteed contract. And what the Browns did with Watson was foolishness. You just can't say that and do that and expect him to receive that with open arms. It's a fine line between love and hate when it comes to getting a guy to play for the better of the team and his own financial well-being. And they've crossed that line where which Lamar Jackson's not coming back. He's not coming back.
2: So the question now becomes who's going to be the quarterback of the Ravens this year and where does Lamar Jackson go? What's the most likely landing spot for Lamar
4: Jackson? That's how the does problem, this get though. resolved? What? That's the problem, though, because I get a sense and feel that some are like, you know what, we're not going to bail this guy out because we're trying to – ultimately, no one wants to do what the Browns owners were willing to do, which was step up and say, you know what, we want to win at any cost. Owners aren't saying that. You heard the Falcons, who have no business saying that they don't want Lamar Jackson, when you consider how much he could help them. Look at the Dolphins. Look at the Jets. Now, obviously, the Jets got the Aaron Rodgers thing in the mix. But some of these teams who came out initially were like, you know what? We're not in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. We want no parts of it. They're basically sending a message that, hey, we're not for this idea of fully guaranteed contracts. And Lamar Jackson is right. Is he not valuable (laughs) when you consider what he's done? But ultimately, I also get the Ravens' perspective on it, too. But ultimately, it comes down to this. They can't force him to play, nor do you want a quarterback, guys, who has the mentality of, you don't believe in me, therefore you're not going to get my full effort. Because if you have a quarterback whose heart's not in it, you're going to lose. So here's the thing, and I'm curious to get your take on this with Lamar Jackson.
2: You know, he was the MVP. That was 2019 that he was the MVP of this league. The last two years in the league, Lamar Jackson has only played 12 games. He's missed the last month. He, in that time, has been a 63% passer, 33 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, quarterback rating of of in the high 80s. You can't, it, it feels like, and you could tell me if you disagree with this, but it feels like it's very difficult to attract free agent wide receivers to play with him because of just the style of offense that you have to run with him as your quarterback. And even a guy that was his best friend, Hollywood Brown, wanted out a year ago. So... If you're making an investment in in a quarterback that you've got to play a certain style of offense, you've got to have probably a pretty specific game flow with him as well. I think that it's a it's a hard investment especially given that he's been banged up the last 2 years. Like it's a tough it's tough to say that you think you could go through the AFC quarterbacks that you would have to outduel throwing the football from the pocket for Lamar Jackson in the AFC. Now in the NFC to your point with the Falcons, like he goes to the Falcons They're the favorites to win that division, I think. Now, can he get to a Super Bowl? That's a different question. But there's no doubt he is an incredible regular season quarterback and has been. Look, his MVP season was phenomenal. He's worth about 10 points a game to the Ravens, which is astronomical. But does somebody want to invest in him the way that they would invest in a quarterback that's proven they can do it from the pocket?
4: And the funny thing about it, Nathan, is the answer is probably no. ain't probably. It is no because it'll happen already. People will really – feeling the idea that, hey, this is going to – this could happen. But at the same time, there's other ramifications to it from a financial standpoint that I don't think the league wants to go down that road from an owner's perspective, for a control, and having guys have say with fully guaranteed contracts, which I believe plays a huge part in it. But ultimately, it comes down to this. For the Ravens, it's an easier play to have him run around and make things happen and more predictable play of success with the ball in his hands. We get that and understand that. Now, is he capable of passing the football? Yes. Now, if – do I think he's the type of athlete, if he really said, you know what, I want to make it more of a, be more of a proficient passer, is he capable of doing that? I think so, but ultimately when you're under duress, you're going to go to what's natural. And what's natural for him is running around making things happen. So that's not going to yep. exit out of his system whatsoever, his DNA, because it's exactly who he is. But at the same time, though, when I think about the fact that Andrews, is he not a, a star? Is he not a talent? And look what that combination has done. Why not give him more guys of that caliber of performance to see what he can actually do from a passing standpoint? Because it seems to me it's been more of a lack of talent there than the actual ability Lamar Jackson to pass the football. And I'll never forget this: about two years ago, two or three seasons ago, you and I were having a discussion, and you were telling me how Lamar Jackson improved. Dramatically in his touchdown to interception ratio and completion percentage. Now that might have been a one-year hit or miss type of situation. So I say that to say we know he's capable when concentrating on it to improve it.
2: There's no doubt. I I think the hard part is to your point. Why don't they get weapons? That's what they've tried to do. They've tried to draft receivers in the first round. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown coming off of a thousand yard season said, I I just don't want to play in this offense anymore. And he loves Lamar dearly. He's like, get me out of here so that I can become a star. I want to catch the ball. I want to play in a passing, a pass first offense. And I think that's the hard part is unless they hit in the draft, they haven't been able to surround him with talent because no free agent wide receivers have wanted to go there. They ended up a couple of years ago with like Sammy Watkins was the best receiver they could get in free agency. Because if you're a free agent, you're signing a, a a you know a smaller deal of one year right. deal a two year deal at that point, and you're hoping to put up big numbers and cash in again. It's not going to happen. And there. going there right. decreases the likelihood that you're going to put up big numbers. And so the question becomes: Is does somebody think you know? And I think one of the reasons they brought in Todd Monken was they thought with Todd Monken maybe we can get take some elements of what Lamar does so well, but also create more of a spread concept that allows him to be more efficient and more proficient from the pocket. But now he's never, we're never going to see that combination. And by the way, me as a Browns uh, employee and fan, I'm thrilled about that. I think Todd Monk is a very smart guy and I'm happy that he and Lamar Jackson are never (laughs) going to put it out there together. So I think that's good, but it's a wild situation. And, And I was, we've been talking about this for a while. Like the Ravens faced a really hard decision. Did they really feel in their heart of hearts that giving Lamar Jackson $40 million a year was going to help them win a Super Bowl in this AFC with the quarterbacks and the style of offense that would have to be played to win and go on a real playoff run?
4: Right. And they obviously said no. Another crazy part about it too, Nathan. Think about Jarvis Landry hit close to home for us. He had an option. The Ravens were one, but he chose the Saints. And why did he choose the Saints? To back up your point in that that's a passing offense. So, no, you're not a wide receiver free agent going there to try to restore your career. You go there out of desperation or you were drafted there. And, unfortunately, that's the the narrative that's presented to the Ravens right now. But here's the other part to it, though, which is just going to really blow their locker room up. Because right now that team is going to be divided. You have a situation where guys are saying, you guys don't really want to pay us our worth. And you got guys concentrating and thinking about money. And the worst thing that you can do is have a team more concerned about the dollar bills than the actual playbook. And when you have a situation like this arise, you don't want it to play out because when Harbaugh stands up there to talk Half the guys are going to be thinking about their bank account while other guys are going to try to win. And think about that. A divided team, where is that going to get you? And we know with the Ravens, they're at their best when they're, what, all on the same page and grinding out together. This doesn't sound like a football team that's going to be grinding out together. It sounds like a football team that is clearly divided because you've had guys err on the side of Lamar, and you've had other guys pretty much say nothing in regards to what management ownership has done.
2: Well, yeah, you've had some of the receivers complain. You've had – it 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 feels like a tough situation. It felt like the writing was on the wall last season, and I think it's an it's it's an unenviable situation for the Ravens to be honest. Because I think that there is no question, zero, and I would imagine in the locker room zero question, we are better with Lamar Jackson. Right. Period. Full stop, right? But but there is also a legitimate question that can be asked. Can we be a Super Bowl-winning football team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback?
4: And the answer is obviously for them, yes, but no. (laughs) And that's not going to do it because at what price? And that's the thing. Right. At what price? And they're saying, well, we can't get this, we can't get that. And if you feel that way, then it is the reality of the situation because if you don't believe it, you're certainly not going to conceive it. So they're pretty much telling Lamar, we don't think you're worth this much. And on top of that, if we thought you were worth this much – but here's where it gets really tricky. Here's a philosophical question for you, Nathan. Yeah. If they thought he could win them a Super Bowl, do you think they would give him the money he's asking for? Yes. So apparently there's the answer right there. And he's saying, "You, hey, they don't value my worth. They I don't just, see my worth in all those things. So I don't envy them. I don't feel sorry for them. They made this mistake. And you know what, Nate? During the regular season, when Lamar Jackson ruled himself out of a game and said he yeah. was going to be the doctor – that told me everything I needed to know. So how they yeah. misread that and not understand the level of discontent that he had and has for them, I don't get. I think they
2: were aware. I just think publicly they weren't talking about it. I mean, how could you, I feel like how could you not be, right? Like the thing about this situation is it, it might not be a mistake by anybody in the reality. Nobody it could it's possible in my mind that everybody in this is seeing it correctly. Lamar Jackson is saying I am worth 10 points a game to your franchise. Right. I am a franchise quarterback. I should be paid as such. And I think that he could be right about that in certain circumstances. I think it could also be true that the Ravens say, yeah, we are better with you, but it's not still not good enough to be the organization we want to be, especially if we have to invest all this money in you. <laughs> because, let's be honest, you haven't played in December in two years.
4: And he's probably like, well, pay me more and I will play in December. That's probably what he's saying now. But here's a little part to though, Nathan, that I just find funny in the yeah. whole – is that okay? You're willing to go in a situation because there's, as we know better than anyone, there's no guarantees with the quarterback situation, none. No, nope. you run the risk if you're the Ravens of falling out of, completely out of the picture of the AFC, AFC, not let alone the AFC North, but the AFC. Ooh, if you make this move of not having Lamar Jackson, and you're going to Hundley's going to go out there and get the job done, you're going to entrust a rookie. You're going to bring somebody else in. Who are you going to bring in? So, you well, may, that, so at what fi- point you rather lose than actually win?
2: Right. Their philosophy may be we're in a handcuff situation. If we can get Lamar for, you know, the $30 million that we've we've tendered him at, great, we'll roll with that. If not, maybe they look at the landscape of the AFC and say, you know what?
4: But even that, we're,
2: though. We're going to have a down year, and then we're going to draft a quarterback in a draft class next year that, that looks to be better. All
4: right, well, and go we're going to have it. Right
2: an extra first-round pick because of this, of Lamar leaving will have the ammunition to do it. But
4: well, good luck with that, too. But at the same time, if you're Lamar Jackson, you're sitting back and you're watching Daniel get paid insane amount of Well, that's money. insane. You know what I'm saying? So how do you not feel insulted by this? And then next year when Burrow and Herbert come up, you're going to be like, oh, I'm not on – from a passing standpoint, yeah, make the argument. Okay, I'm not on that level, but from a winning standpoint, I'm certainly there. And what value are to my team, I'm certainly there. So they're in a spot, man, and again – this They may never recover from it. I should never say Listen, never, never, but it's definitely going to take a good couple, three to four years to probably get the funk out the system because you got guys on this roster right now who are now solely concentrating on the money.
2: Yeah, and look, I don't mind the Ravens being down for a while. Don't, That's not ends NBA up with happening. No, at all. It's going to be wild. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I want to go to the NFC. I, I want to go to the NFC because in the NFC, I, I just my presence alone makes whatever team I go to, whatever team he goes to, a playoff a playoff team
4: and then start if i'm lamar jackson for longevity and this was a sad sight to see somewhat cam newton though humbled was throwing in auburn's pro day i know and you you never thought that big body type would break down but it broke down so ultimately it's going to catch up to you that's the thing if you cannot be somebody in this league and that's where i'll go back to
2: when you're talking about herbert and burrow there's no question in anybody's mind that if and we've seen both of them do it: Burrows, but a Super Bowl and an AFC championship the last two years. You know, Herbert, his supporting cast has not been as good, but he's led them on comebacks. There's no question that both of those guys can make plays from the pocket when the other team knows they have to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton, even in his MVP season, he was never that dominant at passer. And no. so once you lose a little bit in your ability to run, whether in Cam's case, it was the power and speed go away a little bit, or in Lamar's case, you know, the speed's going to go at some point. You're not going to be the most dynamic guy on the field. Right. And we've seen injuries start mm-hmm. to creep up. You have to fall back on that ability to throw the football. And so th- he's not as valuable, number one. You know, he and Cam would expose themselves to more injury mm-hmm. situations than necessarily a Burrow or Herbert, especially with the way the rules have been changed about how quarterbacks can be hit within right. the pocket. And, and the throwing is, is a big part of it. But if I'm Lamar Jackson, I go to the NFC, you have an opportunity in the NFC to be, you know, Jalen Hurts.
4: I'm glad you mentioned that,
2: Nate. That's where he's he needs one to of
4: the, go. That's the game he needs to pattern himself out there. I know that sounds ridiculous, yes. but Lamar Jackson needs to pattern his game after Jalen Hurts' game. And what he needs to do is go whoever his quarterback guru is, start working out with him, and get to a point, because he took Jalen Hurts from being a mediocre, is it fair to say, passer, yeah. to was elite. Yeah, tremendous.
2: Yeah. He was tremendous this year, and they went out, and to their credit, they drafted Devontae Smith. That was a hit. They traded for A.J. Brown. They have Dallas Goddard, so they had weapons for him in place that they could throw the ball to. They ran a very good offense. They had a great offensive line, and it all worked out. And and Jalen Hurts was great and was very, very close to being a Super Bowl champion this year. Now, can they get back there? We'll see, but Jalen Hurts took a massive, massive leap forward. But my point is, like, in the NFC, there's Jalen Hurts – Stafford, but I don't know how well, his heck, elbow Carr is. Derek Carr
4: right now just gets jumps out of the AFC and is a top quarterback in the AFC, <laughs> NFC. That's side. what I mean, right? I mean, so it's that's Derek Carr. It's Kirk Cousins. And th- there you have it, and and Dak Prescott, Goff, Dak, and, and Aaron Rodgers is more likely going to be in the AFC. So in the AFC. So that's what I say. If, if he goes to the NFC, I think he's oh. he could he could win immediately,
2: and. I think that that's going to – the AFC is just – it's murderer's row right now, man. It is the most loaded quarterback conference I think that we've ever seen at one time
4: in NFL history. Pick a division, exactly. But but here's the thing, too. I agree that if he goes to the NFC, the path to success is an easier road, if you will, though it's never easy. Yeah. But at the same time, change the paradigm. Change the narrative on how people perceive you. He has the athletic ability to throw the football and throw it well. It's about consistency. And you mentioned Hurts, and the reason why I bring him in the conversation is that the Eagles now know. They can't lump him into the Hurts, that is, into the Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton conversation. They have to put him in the Joe Burrow slash Josh Allen conversation, where these guys can make it happen with their legs and their arms. And so that's where he's at now because of the way he operates within the pocket. So, yes, though this league has changed tremendously, and I like what you alluded to, they still allow you to knock the snot out of people down the field if you're running the football. That still is allowed, not in the pocket. So he needs to make that business decisions that he's making, change that too. But the Ravens aren't trying to hear that. And to be honest with you, Nathan, I'm not sure if any other team right now will sign up for for it because I think ultimately that the Ravens have a lot of support from other NFL organizations saying, you know what, we're not going to touch your guy.
2: So you think that there's like a, a collusion conspiracy I won't against say, him? You can't
4: say collusion because that's too much of a legal term. But guys can look at each other like, hey, I ain't touching it. I ain't touching it. That don't make sense. I ain't going to pay him. And you don't have to go call somebody on the phone and, 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 and do it legally, illegally rather. It can simply be like, nah, that's my
2: – I just think if anybody, any owner thought that the thing that was going to get them a Super Bowl trophy was Lamar Jackson, they would not hesitate to put him on their football team.
4: Yeah, some I hear what you're saying, but there are also some who say, you know what, the bottom line makes more sense, and that's really what the Ravens are saying. But there is an argument to be made that hey, can he get you there? It's certainly an argument to be made for that.
2: I th- so I would say I think the Ravens feel that there is a cap on his value due to the style of play and the injury concern. Yeah, Whereas I. I- I don't think – like the Ravens, I think, would have no problem paying him $30-plus plus million a year guaranteed. Cause didn't they
4: offer him that? Of a $30 but million he wants, when Daniel Jones is getting 40 That's That's just because the Giants made a horrific decision. <laughs> but that's my whole point for Labar Jackson. I'm better than that dude. I've done more of than that dude. Of course you are. How's he going to get more than me? This is how players talk. How's he going to yeah. get more than me? And that's yeah. the deal, how players talk and how players interact in the locker room. So he's not going to feel that. That's an insult to him.
2: Yes, I would agree that Daniel Jones making more money than Lamar Jackson is insulting. And that's but how you that's, that's more on the Giants, really, than anybody. Like, <laughs> but why did they, they not think that out was against a
4: great idea? But the owner for the Ravens publicly says something about the Haslams and what they did, but he sure. learned, you hear nothing about the Daniel Jones deal.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Daniel Jones didn't get guaranteed. Exactly, because he didn't get like fully guaranteed, guaranteed but he still
4: that. wanted to pay this guy $40 million.
2: I still think, which to me seems – now, I wrestling. would
4: give him the $30 million contract based on that eight games of a really good season with him being with Brian Dable. Listen, if I was the Giants, I would have just— Sign Lamar
2: Jackson and giving him a first-round pick <laughs> is what I would have done. Oh yeah! All right, when we come back, this is good stuff, though. When we come back, uh, we're going to hear more from Andrew Barry, part two of his meeting with the media from the owners' meetings in Arizona, talking about the other new additions. We talked about the wide receivers earlier. Still to come on, we got other stuff from around the league. Uh, we will go ahead and look at this Browns roster as well, where it stands right now uh, with Gerard, and uh, then we're going to wrap it up here. Hour number two, Cleveland Browns brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
2: Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers for Serious Injuries. Call 1 800 Elk, Ohio for your free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Nathan Zagur, Gerard Cherry with you. Hour number two of Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio. And now we head back to the Valley of the Sun, to Arizona, where Andrew Barry met with the media from the owners' meetings. Here is part two of that discussion. And
7: linebacker, you guys have sort of run it back, you know, bringing Andrew, uh, Anthony, bringing uh, Sione, bringing Jordan back. It, was, is it a case that you kind of look at it and go, you know, we kind of like those guys, you know, there's some some bad luck that hit last year, but maybe better, better defensive tackles in front of them. I mean, what's been kind of the mindset in attacking the linebacker? You know,
5: I think, so I'd start by saying, again, no room's complete at this point. Um, In terms of the guys that we brought back, I think the biggest thing last year was health. Um, You know, a lot of those guys that you mentioned really didn't play uh, maybe as many snaps as we anticipated. You know, Awok obviously was out after the the third game of the season. Um, You know, JOK went on IR and missed some games even previous to that with an injury. Um, Taki has started off in his normal role, played well, played Mike for us, and then tore, you know, tore his ACL. Um, so really, probably even by mid-year, we were, we were well into our depth at that position. So I think health will go a long way um, in that room. Um, guys that played really good football for us in 21 and then even in 22 when they were actually on the field. Um, but you know, certainly we, uh, we want to make sure that we have enough depth so we're not you know, in that position again. What did
7: Jim like when he saw Juan Thornton? What does he see in Thornton? Is it like something specific that he that made him kind of maybe the guy that you know?
5: Well, I'll be you know totally honest. When we went into the start of the league year, um, we weren't necessarily anticipating um, doing a you know call it a uh, you know a sizable safety deal necessarily. Um, that wasn't plan. That was actually a, a, a pivot. Um, what we liked about Juan, we thought he was a player who. Um, you know very rarely do true free safeties like get to the market and if they do um they get paid very very handsomely um and so like Juan, former corner background really great ball skills great range um you know multi-year producer and besides the acl his rookie year has stayed you know very very healthy um that's a really a profile that we liked um you know candidly we we, we um we thought that it would either get to the point given our other priorities that um, you know, we would need to find a more cost-effective alternative. Uh, ultimately, what happened early in free agency, some of the signs we made gave us a little bit more flexibility with Juan, um, and Juan wanted Juan wanted to be here. That was the other. That was the other great part. So, did
6: did you pivot on Watson's restructuring, or did you anticipate doing the? the we had a no- The ton- dead years.
5: So we had a number of different um, options in terms of creating cap space, Tony. And the way we were going to approach it was largely going to be mapped on what we thought we could do with our offensive plan. So I know that maybe sound like a, uh, a little bit of an evasive answer, but um, we felt really good about a variety of ways to create the room that we needed at the start of the league year. Um, for the plan we ended up executing so far, we thought that that was the most appropriate plan. Is that path.
6: why you were able to re-sign O-Sec? You created enough
5: with him uh, No, to, no, I, I, so no, I, That those are two, um, those would probably be two completely independent,
6: independent uh, things.
8: How about, um, how is Deshaun doing with all of the off, off the field stuff with his program? Does he still have things that he has to do? Uh, you know, in terms of the league and what they've mapped out for him. How, how's he doing that? You know,
5: I don't think it's appropriate for me to go into those details, but I will say he's doing very, very well. we're very, very, very pleased with uh with where he is. Does yeah. Sean have any input on that? <laughs> no, I, I I I know uh, you know, perhaps that was something that after the fact maybe people assumed that we made the signing just because of that. Um Jordan, we actually thought was uh, was an impact receiver for Houston this past year. Um, you know, we thought he felt fit really nicely into the F role in our offense and, and could really be a you know kind of a playmaking weapon for us. Um, that actually had nothing to do with uh, you know Deshaun's input or anything along those lines. Now, as a standard, if if we're going to sign a player um, and we have a veteran on our team that's been with them and we're doing kind of our background from a Locker room standpoint, you know, we'll ask the player, but um, that that actually, it's like a nice synergy. But that actually had nothing to do with Deshaun.
1: was unrelated to uh, the Deshaun restructuring, but is there a correl- is there a line you can draw and say because we restructured that we were able to do this?
5: No, not necessarily. Because um, let's say we wanted to extend beyond the amount of room that we created because there was some unique opportunity. Um, there are other ways that we could have accomplished the you know accomplished a similar goal.
8: How about um, Jed Wills? Do you anticipate picking up the fifth-year option?
5: Pleased with Jed's progress. thought he had his best year this past year. Um, I think, as you guys know, is my custom. I don't you know, really talk about those things in this setting, but we are happy with Jed. Was there anything you saw um, in, in those eight games last year when he really became a starter, started to really produce on like, a level he had had for those first four years? Um, was there anything in his game, or was it really just a matter of his final it? Getting- we, we really saw it as more as finally getting an opportunity to start. So Oboe had been a very highly productive player um, on maybe a more limited pitch count, both in L.A. and early in the season with Houston. And there are many players that can be productive in, like, a limited role, but then the question is, okay, can they maintain that production over a higher volume of stats or does it? Or are they almost like relief pitchers in baseball? They're not, they're not starters, but they're relief pitchers. And I think the impressive thing with Oboe is, he was really able to maintain like his underlying production, and with a significantly higher volume of snaps. So we looked at it as uh, an opportunity to add a young player who, um, you know, we we, we we feel really good can play really productive football with the with a heavy load um, and maintain the quality of play.
6: Yeah. Would, would you say got time on for a couple more? On paper, do you feel the offense is complete? I don't think I ever feel that. Any
5: unit is complete, honestly, Tony. I think we have, um, you know, a number of good players on that side of the ball. It's still got to come together. I think we have a nice mix of skill sets with our perimeter group, um, you know. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to try and add bad guys
6: to the to that side of the but, ball. But, but I mean, uh, fill in that speed element now. I mean, there's, there's no other skill set <laughs> yeah. other than personnel.
5: I would say, I'd say this. Like, I think we have. Uh, you know, a lot of our bases are at least like, you know, bets on the skill sets that we need covered. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, honestly, there are always areas that we can that we can add um, and continue to improve.
7: You're going to pick right about the same place you picked mm-hmm. a year ago. How we'll much you, you, know? <laughs> for now, for now. Well, for I now. mean, uh, okay. how much, though, did, you know, what you went through last year, you know, kind of give you some ideas of, you know, what you like, what you didn't like, you know, what, what you can do this time as you kind of find
1: yourself in a similar situation.
5: I'd say that um, each year is independent only because each draft class is different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went through an experience last year where we traded out of 40, 40 I can't remember, 40-something, and mm-hmm. then, you know, got to 68, took Martin and got picked up two extra picks. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that going through that was the reason that we did the – you know, the Elijah Moore trade, we just looked at it as an opportunity that made sense for us.
7: What do you think about it? I mean, mm-hmm. you talked at the Combine about kind of your first opportunity to kind of see this mm-hmm. this class. Uh, what's your kind of thought and first impression?
5: I, I think, and I'm going to sound like a broker right here, there are good players that come out of the draft every year. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, like, where you think the strengths and weaknesses are, it, it changes as you look um, how it actually plays out, you know, three or four years out. Um, you know, that being said, like I do think there are going to be a number of players that we like uh, if we if we stay and pick it, stay and pick at seventy four. Um, I do think the draft has um, you know quality in, in, in day two, which is where um, obviously our first pick is. But um, you know, we'll see how it goes in the next couple weeks. Can you make eight picks? Can Eight picks make this team. Uh, it'd be up to them if we like select eight players, if they make the team or not. Um, but. I don't see a situation where they where they can't, but I think we'll have healthy competition going into the star. In terms of
8: Alex Wright, um, do you feel like, um, is he your number three edge heading into the season, and do you feel like in Jim Schwartz's scheme that he will be able to get the pressures and the sacks that he's capable of?
5: Yeah, no, we feel good about Alex. Jim feels good about Alex. It's tough for um, young and, and rookie linemen. That's usually a little bit of a um, slower developing position, but as we look at our, third and fourth edge guys those are guys that we want to play you know 35 percent of the time play with a high energy high motor uh, um and alex's physical skill set and um you know makeup and work ethic is perfect for jim's defense
2: all right that was brown's general manager andrew barry from the owners meetings talking about some of the other moves they made and i thought the most interesting thing there was that They weren't sure they were going to be able to get a high-priced free agent at free safety, but that was a little bit of a pivot, and they were able to get a true center fielder like Juan Thornhill, and he was obviously very excited about that. Gerard And I imagine the money that was going to go to Javon Hargrave, for that money you were able to get Dalvin Tomlinson and Juan Thornhill.
4: Two-for-one situation, no doubt about it. And I love what Thornhill is going to bring to the table, Nathan. And you've interviewed him. You've had a chance to interact with him. And I believe he's going to be that piece— we talk about with accountability and what he had to say if Mm -hmm. he backs that up far as, hey, man, I'm not going to come here out right away and be like, hey, my way or the highway, but to understand, though, I'm going to hold guys accountable and let them know. This is how you win and get to the Super Bowl. You don't do it sitting on the sidelines, not going over your playbook and not studying and taking care of business. You get there by working extremely hard. And, well, how do you know, Thornhill? I've done it three times. So that's going to have a tremendous weight. And he sounds like to me another guy – who, again, is not about the hype and the hoopla, but about substance and about character. So I love that signing. And, yes, by making that pivot, it was something we certainly needed because, again, you run the risk if you rely relying on a draft of not having that guy prepared and ready to go early on, especially at the free safety position.
2: I think you make a great point right there, too, about Juan Thornhill, knowing what, needed, what he needs to do, knowing what it takes. And he said something that I thought was very interesting when I talked to him was that he said, it, it, it's got to be everybody, you know, committed to right. understanding what's going on. But he said, it's also so important to develop those relationships on and off of the field. He said, you know, the Chiefs, we all hung out together. Mm-hmm. All the DBs would hang out together. So I truly knew the guys that were out there and what they were going to do in certain situations without us having to talk or communicate about it. We all just were on the same page and how important that was. And you as a fellow Super Bowl champion like Juan Thornhill you know how important is that to have the accountability where your peers are the ones that are keeping you accountable that are making sure you're doing everything you need to do and then that you guys have those relationships where it's all kind of second nature once you're out on the field together
4: camaraderie is of the utmost importance and accountability is of the utmost importance if you got both those things clicking together in your football team and it's a part of the fabric and culture of your locker room you're going to win football games because most Locker rooms are not connected like that. There's a lot of factionalism that's taking place in most locker rooms where guys are having the Ravens' experience of talking about their money, who's getting what, who's getting paid, when and where, and how. When those things start to kick in and develop, that's when you have issues and problems in your locker room. But when you have a situation where I, be I a special teams player or a starter, can go up to anybody in that locker room and say, hey, man, you're not holding up your end of the bargain from a work-hard standpoint, and you could check someone, if you will, and they respect it and accept it and correct it, then you have something going on. That's what he experienced in KC. And please bring that to our locker room because we need it. Because to be honest with you, Nathan, I felt we had that on the offensive side of the ball, but on defense last year, that wasn't what was happening. It was evident. And also when those guys stepped on the – decided to play in the phase of special teams, those players. It still wasn't occurring. So that's something that was vastly missing, and we may have found a guy who can help lead us in that direction because you know as a free safety, he's going to certainly be responsible being a quarterback back there. And what he said is so important. you got to enjoy the process of being around the guys you're playing with. It can't be simply, well, I'm going to do my job, and that's all I'm required to do here. Yep. Football exacts too much of a physical and emotional toll for it to just be your job. you got to sacrifice on many fronts, and you got to enjoy the process. Not even enjoy it, you have to embrace the process. And when you start doing that, that's when it's late in January that you're embracing the idea that you want to go to Super Bowl and win it because you're not going to quit on your teammates or your body's not going to give up because you're playing for a higher calling than just your paycheck and personal notoriety.
2: No, you're exactly right about it. Great words from the three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Sherry, there. And I think that the accountability also is going to come a lot from Jim Schwartz. Uh, just being around that guy. And willing will the home not- accountable, right? He's not tolerating any <laughs> shenanigans, right. I, I don't think. All right, when we come back, we'll go around the league quickly. And still to come, we're going to get Gerard's thoughts on the state of the Browns roster right now as well. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
2: be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons don't miss out go to clevelandbrowns.com/tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today we'll talk about some moves over the weekend right now in the NFL first up Bobby Wagner who was great for the Rams a year ago going back to Seattle on a one year deal and Gibbe's question for us is, are the Seahawks one of the four best teams in the NFC right now, Gerard?
4: Wow, that's a tough question to think of off the top of my head, but uh, I'm going to say no, they're not. I'm still going to give and, and granted, I still like the idea that the 49ers are the t- upper echelon, obviously, yep, and you got sure. the, the, the Eagles and what they represent. I don't think they're going to fall off, and I and I think the Dallas Cowboys are certainly, even though they have – Issues year in and year out, better than them, and I'm pretty sure I can name one more team and be. Heck, I'll say the Giants are actually better than the Seahawks. So uh, I think Eagles, Niners. I'm big on Detroit right now.
2: Yeah, I like the Lions well, a quite goal. a bit. Mm-hmm. Seattle though, has got what those two early first round picks. Yeah, like they, after the draft, they are could they be get I, Lyman. They could be pretty good. I mean, it's a, they're in the conversation. Yeah, you know, Dallas are, no is no in the conversation. Right? Giants are in the conversation.
4: No one in yeah. NFC South in the conversation, but then again, Carr to the right. to the Saints does that make a difference? Because they got weapons, and they got a good defense. Right. It's it,
3: and that goes back to why sure. Lamar should just go to the NFC. Because how many options are there compared to the AFC? Right.
2: Right. That's why exactly the the NFC is significantly is a significantly worse conference right now than the AFC. I mean, it's not. It's really not even close. Uh, speaking of the NFC, the 49ers acquiring former Browns kicker Zane Gonzalez from the Panthers. My father was saying, not keep pleased job, about this.
1: Man.
2: <laughs> I was like, Zane, he was a pro bowler. He was a pro bowler in um, with Arizona when we played them back in 2019. He was a pro bowler that year. So interesting. Like, Robbie Gold is gone. In comes Zane Gonzalez. I don't not, think Robbie Gold liked it there. No, he not. Uh, yeah, He's certainly not as steady. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's a good kicker. Yeah, wild so that's the big one and then uh from the owners meetings Broncos head coach John Payton says we are not trading Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy
4: <laughs> I mean that I thought that was weird that they were even thinking about shopping in the first place I mean you got Russell Wilson there why would you vacate the premises with good talent and a young at like that under contract in order to do what it made no sense I figured that the Broncos are gonna have a night and day experience because you're gonna actually have a quarterback and yes. a head coach that will have a good working relationship in which one will respect the other one and feel that, hey, I can't acquiesce to him because I'm sorry. Russell may have his moments where we get on him about being too much, but I definitely think he'll respect Sean Payton, what he has to say, because Sean certainly has a track record as a Super Bowl winning head coach. He most certainly does. And Drew yeah. Brees. I, 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 I agree say.
2: with you. Um, yeah, I, I think if right now you're thinking, okay, we've got – we've got our guy, Sean Payton, we're in, we're in a pretty good spot here, right? If you're a fan of the Denver Broncos, you've got to feel like we have a chance now to become a team of of consequence, which is, I think, what they're certainly hoping to be.
4: Yeah, well, the key for, for it all, Sean is going to have to figure out some way to get to reinvent Russell Wilson in that locker room, and that's going to be more on Russell than anything. He cannot yeah. have this holier-than-thou presence in the locker room. He can't have a alleged office in the in the facility where guys can't come to and be on his level he has to make himself a man of the people because if he doesn't do that Nathan I don't care who they bring in they can bring back Vince Lombardi they're not going to win if he doesn't change his actions you're exactly
2: right they've got to get they've got to get that going there and then finally from nfl networks judy batista owners will consider consider several rule proposals at the nfl's annual meeting as the meeting begins it does not seem to be enough support for making roughing the passer reviewable by replay they just got to get it right i don't care you don't need to be like an official replay challenge have the guy upstairs be like the chris jones one no that was not roughing like Roughing needs to be egregious and clear and roughing. When it's not, that you cannot make those 15-yard penalties. That's why I like the idea. I'm hoping that just the threat of it getting reviewable will get everybody in the league right. on the same page and say, okay, let's give the guy upstairs a little bit of authority to call in and be like, actually, I just watched that on TV. That was not roughing. That was not that egregious was at he all. He just tackled
4: the quarterback. Right, and unfortunately, Nathan, it's going to continue to occur. So maybe next year we'll have a change of heart with this because that is so subjective. What's hard? What's your definition of being a hard hit for a referee? Because it, it, it changes, and it could be who yep. the quarterback is. Because if that guy's an oversized quarterback, oh, that didn't hurt him. But the same thing happens to a guy that's undersized, or oh, that did hurt him. So I think it totally should be a reviewable situation. Unfortunately, it'll probably make the game go longer than what they want. But there's always going to be this issue, and this is part of the NFL that's unfair to a defensive player. And it's always been that way. They want to score points. So, let, so you should always tell your defensive players this. You're up against it. It's an inequity in football, and the inequity is is that it's all about the offense getting the rules favored and tilted towards their way. So this is going to continue to take place, and we can yell out foul play, foul play all we want, but ultimately they're going to protect the quarterbacks and they're going to do things that's going to produce scoring points.
2: Yes, because that is what keeps this league as popular as it's been. Yes, keeps the lights on. We've been talking about just how good, by the way, that it has been in this, this conference with the quarterbacks and and why this is feels like a very golden age of the nfl right now give a
3: speaking of quarterbacks 49ers gm john lynch a few minutes ago uh i think brock purdy has earned the right with the way he's played that he's probably the leader in the clubhouse at that if if we were to line up he'd probably take that first snap
4: yeah okay rightfully so and there it
3: is i mean all he's got to do now is recover from like Arm replacement surgery. <laughs>
4: right. He didn't have Tom John. He had something else, right? Yeah, it wasn't Close. good. And it was
2: very swollen, okay. so it took a while to even be able to get in there and to get get work done to get it going.
4: Yeah, I'm trusting him over Lance right now. I mean, he's, he's done yeah. more. What are they going to do with Lance?
3: <laughs> if Purdy continues to ball out.
4: Let him ball out in gave preseason. gave up
3: a lot for Trey Lance.
4: Ball out in preseason and hope somebody takes it? But they, you know what they've created, though? Nathan can appreciate this. In their own weird way, though, not nowhere near the same, they've created a scenario where it's like, okay, if, say, Lance can ball. And we know Bart Purdy can. He's good. They got their Joe Montana. At one point in time, the 49ers and the 80s guys, and Nathan should know this. Oh, I know this. Had Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Steve Bono on the roster.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <And That's
4: right. laughs> All yep. three of those guys played quarterback at an extremely high level.
2: Yeah. Steve Bono would be thrilled and his family very happy to be in that conversation with the other two gold jackets. But nonetheless, Steve Bono was a very good yeah, backup. He won a
4: 14 2
2: or 15-1 record one season. A good starter when he got the opportunity. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Steve Bono. You got to love that.
4: And yeah, that's, that's Bay Area product right there, though. It is. It is. <laughs> I like it. That's that's
2: good stuff right there, Gerard. All right. When we come back here, we're going to take a look at the Browns roster as it stands today uh, with Gerard. So we'll take a look at that. And and Andrew Berry's done a pretty good job kind of filling and fleshing out this roster. So we'll take a look at that when we come back here on Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet
2: coming soon to Ohio. Nathan Zagura. and Gerard Cherry with you, along with the great Gibbe, of course, here on CBD. Wrapping it up for you on a Monday, obviously uh, a busy day here. We've gone through a lot of things, but it's really been a busy off season for Andrew Barry. And so one of the things we wanted to take a look at with Gerard is... is- What does this team look like now? What does this roster look like as we sit here today now that Andrew Berry has gone through and he's made a lot of the moves that he has made? And so, Gerard, we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterback room, Deshaun Watson. You've brought back Josh Dobbs, and you still have Kellen Mond.
4: Well, right there, you got guys that can do what? Run the offense in the same manner and fashion as Deshaun Watson because they – have, what, similar skill set as Watson. So you don't have yep. to deviate from your playbook a lot in order to get the job done. So that's huge. So that sign of Josh is tremendous. And I know people are like, well, if, if he's playing every down, what does that give you for playoff chances? I don't know that, but I do know this. There might be a spot where he needs to come in for a play, a series, or even a game, and I trust Dobbs to get the job done. I do, too, and you got to see
2: him a little bit at the end of the season, and look, the truth is you need Deshaun Watson to be healthy right. for this team to be a team of great consequence, but could Josh Dobbs come in and get you a, a win here or there? We all think absolutely. Heck, so, a first down. Yeah, that's all right. and I think that great that he were able to get him back here. We interviewed him last week. Such a great guy, and uh, it's awesome to have him back with the Browns. All right, let's look at the running back position, Nick Chubb. Jerome Ford, last year's fifth-round pick, John Kelly, Nate McCrary. Gerard, I've been saying I feel like this is a position that the Browns could address in this draft because it's a very talented draft, or they could bring in another veteran, certainly to help with pass pro on third downs. Jarek McKinnon's a name I've kind of bandied about.
4: Yeah, that certainly is the case. But you also know, too, based on the guys who are on the roster, because you're saying to yourself, all right, Jerome, you're going to have an opportunity to get the job done. And Demetri, this might be make or break for you. And granted, I think he has a skill set, but obviously we didn't hear much from him last year. So the talent is certainly there, even with the departure I'm expecting of Kareem Hunt not to be on this roster coming next season. But yeah, you could go the draft route or you go free agency route. But as composed, Nathan, they're dangerous. Look, with simple fact, you have who? Nick Chubb on the roster.
2: Right. And Nick Chubb's certainly a key piece there. We look at the receiver room, and this is the one that has been remade the most. You've got Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones now, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, and then so many others Jakeem Grant, David Bell. That's six right there. Dalen Baldwin, Jalen Darden, Mike Hartley Jr., Anthony Schwartz, Isaiah Weston, Michael Woods II, and Marquez Stevenson. Uh, going to be tough, you know, to make this room. You feel like it locks. Cooper, Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Bell are probably locks. And it would feel like Marquise Goodwin, provided that he can do what he's done throughout his NFL career, he would be a lock there as well. And then Jakeem Grant could be a returner. But a a lot of receivers on this roster now and a lot of competition.
4: Great. And that's the key part there, a lot of competition. Last year, I felt on several occasions, certain players were getting handed a position and couldn't take what was given to them. And you won't have that situation this year from a standpoint where, hey, we're trying to develop this guy and see what he can become. I think you have right now with the first three or four names that you named of guys who could flat out prove that they could play at the level in which we need them to play. And it gives you also with Woods that speed element and what that represents. So... If you are on this roster and you're trying to be that fifth or sixth guy, you're going to have your work cut out for you. Not that the first four won't, but we've seen with the guys that you name as the first four guys who we assume are going to make the roster to be guys that are proven, guys who have done what they needed to do to show you that, hey, this is a skill core. And more importantly, Nathan, you have on this receiving group, everyone has a different skill set that's going to make a defense coordinator have to think. How do we scheme yep. against this? How do we stop that? Because okay, all right, we're over trying to take away the over the top with Woods on Phil or, or a good one. Now that's going to allow Coop and and Donovan, Peoples Jones to just eat DBs alive with one on one coverage and exploit zone situations. So I love what this unit has in place.
2: I do, too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And then I also like what's going on in our tight end room. David Njoku, Harrison Bryant back. Jordan Akins comes in, a guy who had over 1,000 yards just from Deshaun Watson alone on their time in Houston together. He can get down the field as a vertical guy, 6'3", 250. And then you've got Zaire Mitchell-Payton as a developmental guy. But you wonder, do you carry three tight ends this year? And what does this room look like? But Njoku, Akins, Bryant, certainly a very strong room.
4: Right. You you wonder about that and how much will you employ – 11 personnel, because if you do that, you're more than likely going to say, hey, we're going to only have two guys that we dress. But if you do get in a lot of multiple tight end sets, then you got something beautiful going on there because that's a mismatch. Man, so think about that. Well, If guys come to play and play what they're capable of, you can create a lot of mismatches on this football field from a passing standpoint. And that's what you want. You want coordinators and players alike on the defensive side of the ball thinking, where are they going to attack us and not being able to anticipate it? And that brings – if these guys, as they look on paper, what they've done in the past, perform, you have the opportunity to do just that. So I love what the tight end room represents. The only thing I would question, though, is – and Chief has gotten much better at it – is when it's a running situation, how do we hold up in that regard?
2: Right. And, well, you, the interesting thing is Zaire mitchell and you've seen him. He's a beast, and they say he's more of a true why, so he would be a blocker in mm-hmm. that sense. The chief has become such a great blocker for the Cleveland Browns, and we'll see. But we're gonna—I think we're gonna be in a lot more eleven personnel than we have been in the past, don't you?
4: It makes all the sense in the world to be in that. In that—that's—that's that's gonna be hard to defend. Yeah, I don't see us uh, being in a in ten personnel. That's for sure.
2: No, our offensive line—the starters are back intact. Your top backups. Uh, in many ways are back intact, certainly at the tackle position with James Hudson. And then on the interior, Nick Harris, uh, back from his injury at the center position. You've got a, a mix of young guys battling, and then the news that Wes Martin will come into the fold, who's got 11 starts under his belt. But obviously a strength of the team, and it feels like you kinda, you've kind of you got you know your top eight guys are here right now, and you could probably even go in and add one in the draft if you want.
4: <laughs> exactly, and the fact that you have, like Forbes, I'm talking more to the backup guys you need guys, that, as we saw last year, and what Froholt was able to do. You have to have that ability. And then Posick, what he was more importantly able to do, right, in yep. the backup role. Next thing you know, he finds himself with a new contract and a starter. And if yep. prior to getting hurt, he was some, playing, giving you some of the best center play in the National Football League according to the measurements that rank those plays and who's failing who's succeeding. So, yes, you need backups who can play when the number is called, But more importantly, you always need depth in the offensive line and the defensive line as well because of what takes place in the trenches and the wear and tear that goes on in that arena.
2: Indeed. So we're pretty loaded on offense, to your point. Defensively, we've remade kind of that defensive line room. The addition of Dalvin Tomlinson on the interior, Oba Okoronkwo on the exterior there. So you've got Miles, 007, Isaiah Thomas, Alex Wright at end, and then at the defensive tackle position now. You've brought in a lot of guys to compete, but you got Dalvin, you got Perry on, you got Jordan Elliott, and then Tristan Hill was signed, Maurice Hurst was signed, uh, Tommy Togiai was drafted here, Roderick Perry, an undrafted free agent last year, and then Ben Still joined the team in the middle of last year. But a lot of competition there. Some talented guys. Hill was a second-round pick. Maurice Hurst, obviously very talented, whenever he's played formerly uh, out of Michigan.
4: Right, and what you like, again, is this notion that, hey, competition, the idea that, hey, in order to be out here, you're going to have to make plays. In order to be out here, you just can't wrestle in laurels that you were a draft pick. That's not going to work. You need to make plays. Urgency is in a full effect, not just, hey, we'll wait and see how you develop. No, if you want to keep a job and your livelihood going in the National Football League, in particular playing for the Browns, you better go out there and perform. And on top of that, we were undersized in that position. We got pushed around in that position a lot last yep. season. That cannot happen again because, as you know, we cannot try to – you won't win a game if you can't stop the run. You Correct. Won't. And we will not win a game if I watch you on the football field and you get to push five yards down the field.
2: Yep. No, you're exactly right, and not only that, it helps this next group, the linebackers of the Cleveland Browns, and you got JOK, obviously, Jacob Phillips, Taki Taki is back, Kunashik is back, Tony Fields, we've got uh, Anthony Walker Jr. is back, so it's a lot of the same guys from a year ago, you added Matthew Adams, who's a special teams ace, Bubba Ventrone, very high on him, so that's a groom that you're bringing back a lot of the guys, if they can stay healthy, obviously it can be very good, but the guys up front should make it easier for the linebackers to make plays when you've got a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson eating some space and eating up some blockers.
4: Yeah, I I buy into that because we saw firsthand the impact of not having guys that are eating up space and getting pushed around. At the same time, though, Nathan, those young guys in particular, the JOKs, the Phillips of the world, they need to take that jump to where it's like, okay, how are you shedding a block? How are you shooting a gap? Are you in the right run gap responsibility? Are you doing the right – pass, coverage, drops, and not getting fooled by play, action, pass, and things of that nature. You have to take that next step because way too many times I saw guys with both hands up talking about – or point finger pointing like, oh, that's your gap. That cannot occur. It cannot occur again this season.
2: No, we got to be assignment sound, and I think Jim Schwartz is going to be all over that corner room. You've got Denzel, Greg, and Martin Emerson. AJ Green is back, and then Mike Ford, Thomas Graham, also on the roster. The Browns probably will add some corners, I would guess, in the draft to that group. But your top three is excellent. Uh, AJ Green, a good depth player there, and then in the safety room, Gerard again Thornhill was key. You'll th- start Thornhill and Delpit. You got Anthony Bell on the roster as well, D Anthony Bell. But I-, I think we need another safety in there as well.
4: I can see us make the move with another safety, and I love what DeAnthony did last training camp and how he played. And he had some opportunities to get in the game. Now, when he got those opportunities, it was hit and miss as far as his performance. But obviously when you watch Bell, not Bell, excuse me, Delpit, he came on strong at the end, so you're very encouraged by that. And Thorhill's is obviously proven. But to have one more guy who I'm going to assume is going to take Ronnie Harrison's spot yep. makes all the sense in the world to me as well just to have from a depth standpoint and experience standpoint.
2: Right, you need somebody. It just, it's the nature of the beast that people are going to get injured, and right now a little bit thin at that safety spot. That's a look, though, at the Browns roster with the great guest, Gerard Cherry, here today when we come back. Final thoughts. We're wrapping up, but so much more to come here. It's Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio.
1: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
2: All right, big thank you to Gerard for joining us here today. Gerard, what's coming up on the next level?
4: I am pretty sure we will chop up even more so on the Lamar Jackson story and what that represents as well as talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers and their winning ways and what they've done to get prepared for the
2: playoffs. Playoffs? We are talking playoffs when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's coming up on the next level tomorrow. Jim Donovan, the voice of the Browns, joins me here in the Dog Bowl For Gibbe and Gerard, I'm Nathan Zagura saying thank you for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet.
1: You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland.